0: Oh, beautiful people. Today we are with Pedro Moreiro or Pedro on the Road. He was uh, traveling for more than 90 countries. He's an author of already three books, and he's also a host in the Mutamorfos Ambulant podcast. How are you today, Pedro?
1: I'm pretty good. How are you?
0: Really nice. Thank you. Always everything going with the situation.
1: Well, uh, so far it's been uh, pretty much the same, like I stopped partying so much, and for me that was the hardest part, because I really enjoy partying, if you remember, yes. uh, but, um, you know, with uh, house party apps and uh, group chats and stuff like that, I managed to still have some drinks with my friends, so that was okay, but um, now the summer season is coming, and um I think that's when I'm really going to feel the impact of uh, the coronavirus. It's like I'm going I'm to have a late impact. When everybody else is starting to feel something more, like more people, more business, that's when I'm going to lose mine because I sell my books at the beach and uh, I, you know it's difficult enough to sell a book at the beach if there's no barriers. But if I'm three meters away from a person with a mask, And if I can't, for example, if I can't put my book in their hands, uh, that's going to make it more difficult because, you know, once people touch the book, that's usually that's when I close the sale, but I probably won't be able to do that. But, you know, whatever, I'll see. In two weeks, I will find out. So, yeah, other than that, everything is just going. Okay.
0: Family, everything is good. Yeah, yeah,
1: and everything is okay. That Thank
0: is you. important. So I want first to, if you can tell me for the listeners and the followers that uh, still don't know you, if you can tell yes. us a little bit about your story. Where are you from? What you did in life?
1: Sure. So I'm from a small town, um, half an hour from Porto called Val And And um, until I was 18, I was uh, just like everyone else, I guess. I've always had um, a certain, uh, we all have our universe inside ourselves, and um, I always felt like mine was more towards the existentialism and metaphysical subjects that uh, cross a person's mind. You know, some people, they're more into, I don't know, gardening or football or this or that, and uh, it occupies their mind. My mind has always been quite occupied about you Know why we're here and is there any meaning to life and what's coming after? And this kind of thoughts always uh, crossed me. Uh, so, from a very young age, I started writing uh, since I was in primary school. And uh, but you know, I never took anything seriously because I was a kid. Uh, and then I went to university in Coimbra and I went to take psychology. And while I was there, I or a bit before I started to do my first trips, which eventually would define. A lot of my life. But um, in when I was studying in university, that's the first time that I traveled on my own without my parents. So uh, gradually I was feeling what I could take from traveling and uh, what it actually meant to me. And um, I don't know, I, it's not, I don't think that everybody has to travel or anything like that, but different people like different things. And I could feel that uh, the impact that I had when I was traveling seemed to be something uh, that maybe wasn't usual, I don't know. and uh, But I never really considered doing it like for a year because I didn't know anyone else that did it. Because in Portugal, the culture has changed a lot in the last 10 years. Uh, now, almost everyone knows someone that did the kind of trips that I did. and But 10 years ago, it was more rare. And I'm not saying this to, oh, look at me, I'm so unique. It's not like that. It's just how it was. So when we don't know anyone that did something that we think is spectacular, we might think that it's only in books and movies, you know. So I never really considered doing a trip like that until after uh, Coimbra, I went to Norway. I was there for six months and uh, doing an internship, working with drug addicts, and then I went to England. And finally, uh, I the first time I actually considered uh, doing a trip like the ones that I've done, was when i was in uh, india in goa in 2009 like 11 years ago and it was precisely because i met in the same night i met like 10 people that were doing the kinds of trips that i thought was just for special people but what happened was that they weren't they weren't special you know they were just like me you know i'm not special i'm just someone else and when i realized that they were just someone else like me i realized that i could do it as well so I went back to England and I quit my job and I did my first trip. I crossed Europe and Asia, like I hitchhiked for 20,000 kilometers in spite of never, never having hitchhiked before. And, you know, and I visited countries like Pakistan and India and Iran, Iraq. And then I've, I never thought I would be in those countries, you know, because it's not like a country that you think, oh, I'm, most people don't think like, oh, I'm going to visit Pakistan and having had the opportunity to do so was really something that uh, was very important for me and in this trip I realized that I had to do this again and again so my second trip was a few years later and I took a bicycle and I crossed from Portugal to South Africa cycling took me about and I never cycled before I mean I could cycle but uh, I was not one of those people that you see on a Sunday morning cycling and that trip was incredible And then I came back and I wrote a book about that. And uh, I came back from my last trip about two years ago. This time I hitchhiked Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, Belize, and Mexico. And my plan for this trip was, I wouldn't stay in a hotel or hostel ever, and I wouldn't take a bus or a train ever. I would just hitchhike and stay in people's places and um yeah that's what i've been doing i've been writing my books and uh, i don't wish to go back to being a psychologist anymore and um i have my little show here in portugal where i interview travelers and i feel like i'm living my life is not for sure you know i have a few things for sure i never know if i'm going to be able to be doing this next year but so far i'm very happy and i'm enjoying my life so i'm I'm very happy to be alive longer no it's, it's worth, so but.
0: perfect and and I think it's it's important to understand from the beginning until the present to understand all 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 the the story because it's it's beautifying you are doing this at least for the last ten years or more yeah more yeah
1: like hundred percent not so much because in the last ten years on and off, I would go back to being a psychologist, but this path that I'm on began about 11 years ago, yeah.
0: I want to pick up on that, on Pat, I want to ask you because it's something that I think it's very important for me, um, do you think that you already find, uh, found your, your purpose in life? Because I think it's, every person for me has a different flame, did you find, did you found already yours?
1: I think I can never really uh, find mine because um, I don't, I'm not really sure there's an accurate answer for that because I don't know what it means, the purpose, but I know how I can. So I I don't know if there's any meaning to life, you know, Uh, I really enjoy being alive, but I think it's just like a really, really amazing coincidence that my actions got together the way that they did and they developed a consciousness. But I think ultimately, ultimately when we die, it's like it was all for nothing. But recently, so I used to think that life was meaningless because of this. Even if I really enjoyed living, even if I really enjoyed my friends and family and my wife, I used to think that it was all for nothing and it was all meaningless. But then I realized that I'm alive right now. And if I see meaning to it, it automatically has meaning so if i see purpose in my life then uh, in a way it has purpose and i don't need some kind of god which i don't believe in to tell me what my purpose is so i guess it's a long way to answer your question but i've been but just to explain how i can never be sure of what my purpose is mm-hmm. um i guess i find a lot of um Let's say I find a lot of uh, gratification in uh, doing what I do because I get to see some positive impact that I have on people. Of course, it's nice to sell books and I need the money to survive. I'm not going to say otherwise. But um, almost weekly, I receive a message. By Even today, I was organizing my email and I saw a bunch of them. People that uh, read my books or saw my show and really, really were impacted by it. And um, that's really a beautiful thing to, to feel, you know, because to know that someone that I don't know, someone I don't know, somewhere over there, read my book and uh, it had a positive impact in their life. So up until now, if I would have any kind of purpose... I guess it would be to share what worked for me, you know, because I I don't think everyone should travel. I usually am very careful. I don't want to be that traveler that that thinks that traveling is the best thing in the world. I think what's best in the world is also, I'm not the one, I'm not one person that says if you, if you can dream it, you can do it. I don't say that also. So like, I, I think I could never be like a motivational speaker because I think I can be, motivational, but I'm, I, I also want to be grounded. No, if you, you, maybe you can dream it and you can't do it. Maybe it's not, you know, but the one thing I do say is that if you don't try it, then you won't do it. You know, that's like the fact. And, and for me, it's traveling, but I can't tell someone else that it's traveling. I don't even know them. But what I more than traveling, what I think is important is for people to look inside and try to understand what they want. You know, and uh, if they if they're fine with whatever they want, then that's great. You know, if if life was easy and you wanted to be a teacher since you were a kid and you're 35 and you're a teacher and you're happy, great. I'm not gonna go like, no, you should go traveling. You shouldn't be a teacher. No, you know, you want to do whatever. But but I, I appreciate the the importance of self reflection and looking within. And trying to understand ourselves, okay, what do I want? And once I know what I want, how can I get there? And it's really hard sometimes, you know, like for me, I discovered selling books at the beach. If I hadn't, I don't know, maybe I would be working in a supermarket or whatever. But I do think that it's really important to keep this self-respect of knowing that we gave it our best shot. Perfect, perfect,
0: perfect. What? Like I will sublime every word that you said it already because I think <laughs> it's like that really. And I'm thinking now imagine I already find something that I love to do. I'm not saying that is travel. Maybe it can be writing a book or doing a podcast. It doesn't matter, but I'm too afraid to try it to give it that steps to go out of what society thinks it's, supposed to be correct like you should be a psychologist or you understand me what what i say which advice do you say to me or to someone else that, that is too afraid of trying
1: well what i said before i think could be important if we don't try then we don't know exactly. uh, but i i think like we should weigh what we got to lose for example i I know someone that uh, has a certain job and it's someone that is very, very close to me. And I think that this person, I know, I know, I know that this person is not happy in in their job. And a job is something that if you take away when we're a kid, if we take away our active life, a job is something we do half of the time we're awake, at least on a weekdays. So it, uh, uh, for most people, it has a, a big impact on how happy we are. Some people, okay, some people, they go to work and it doesn't matter what it is. They just like zone out, tune out, and then they're back and it's it's fine and it doesn't matter. But for a lot of people, it does because we take a lot of time during it. So we should be able to, we, well, if we can, of course, because for example you live in germany i live in portugal there's different conditions of life already
0: exactly
1: so it's easier to find a job in germany than in portugal for example but what i uh, what i found out for example when my biggest learning in norway was that i had when i was working as a an intern i had colleagues that they were therapists like myself but before they were you know they used to work in a bank until they were 40 or in a sports sporting goods shop until they were 42, and then they wanted to change careers, and boom, they did. So at the time, I was very in love with that notion. I was like, Why don't people do this more often? And I was thinking, Okay, but Norway has a three percent unemployment rate, Portugal has 11 or what it was in 2008, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. So, I'm it, it's important to take this into account. I don't advise people to just you know, quit everything and just go and not, not care about anything. That's what I did. And it worked. It's been working, but I understand that it's, it's more difficult. So I'm not a big fan of envisioning things. Like I think just the fact, the fact that you envision yourself in the position that you want, I don't think that necessarily helps, but it could help at least in, so what do I do next? You know, it's like, I want to have this kind of life, but what are the steps to, to get there? Of course, a like, lot people can just uh, quit their jobs and go, but I don't necessarily recommend that. But more trying to find, okay, if I want to be a writer, for example, I can give you my, all of my personal examples. So my dream has always been to be a writer. Because that's the best, it's difficult to give advice for a field that I don't understand anything of, okay. you know? So I can only speak about my own example, then people can try to see how that relates for them. So my dream has always been to be a writer. Ever since I knew what the concept of dream was, to live as a writer. Not just to write a book, but to be a writer. And I published two books in 2009, 2011 with a publisher. And uh, with a publisher, you get 10%. And also I realized somewhere along the way that I'm not a genius. I think it's important also to have that realization unless people are geniuses. But uh, I'm not a genius. So I'm going to need something more. Maybe, you know, I'm not a genius. Maybe if I try hard enough, I can be good enough. So how can I make more money from writing? And I realized that if I self-published my book, instead of profiting 10%, I could profit 70%. Not 17, 70. So... And I did, I did my calculations and I thought if I sell a thousand books a year, I make like seven or 800 euros a month, which is more than the minimum wage in Portugal. Um, so, okay. So I'm going to self publish. Okay. But how do I pay for the book if I self publish? In my case, in my Asian book, I had money from when I worked as a therapist in England. Mm. But in in my African book, I didn't. So I did a crowdfunding campaign. So the thing is, the the goal that we have, we don't need to take the same road that everybody else did. Because for me to be a writer, the road that everybody else took was, well, not everybody. You know what I mean? Most people that I knew. The common. Yeah, like, you know, be good and find a publisher and that's it for me was don't find like give up the publisher do your own book finance it with crowdfunding and then sell so i didn't focus too much on selling because you know i, I well i did but only in the first year after the book was out because the book is new i had a facebook page that now doesn't count for much now it's instagram and uh sold a good number but then you know second year the book is not you anymore people don't buy but I still did a stint of two years in England as a therapist so I didn't really need to sell much mm-hmm. but it was in 2014 that I went that I quit my job for the last time 2013 and I went to Africa and I contrarily to what my advice was previously I didn't really know what I was going to do but I knew that I want to do that I want to cycle Africa and once I came back the Third, most important thing that I did in my life was uh, one being, you know, writing, the other one being self-publishing, was sub one, crowdfunding. The other one was, I thought, where do people read books? And um, I realized people read books at the beach. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And of course, once we take this decision that is not very intuitive, we have all our, everyone All the people we are inside ourselves, the careful one, the this one, the that one, was telling me, don't go, you know, it's going to be embarrassing. You're going to bother people. You're not going to sell anything. But I knew that, like I said before, it's like I had to try to know. And I went and it was the best decision I've ever made. I went in 2017 and I sold 500 books and then 800 books next year and 950 books next year. And um, so I didn't have a very clear plan in the beginning. But I had some ideas, but this is how it worked for me. And if, if, anything, if anyone can take anything from this, it should be that, like the most basic message, is that we can reach the goal that we see, but don't take the same road that everybody else took to get there. If it means selling books at the beach... Fuck it, let's sell books at the beach, you know? If it means self-publishing, then let's self-publish. Whatever it takes.
0: Awesome, 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 awesome. And, like, you have a way of thinking that is very outside of the box. You are the first person, uh, the the listeners can say, like, we're selling books on the beach. Like, (laughs) where that idea comes from, you know? Like... How you you do you listen like it's intuitions or like how you de- you decided to put something in your mind and it's amazing. I I, I can tell
1: you just uh, it just came to me. I don't know. I I never saw anyone doing it. Um, and I, I I thought about this years ago, but at the time I tried like two days, and I was still a psychologist, so I didn't need the money, so I didn't care so much. But then like I. I, I re- retrieved the idea again in 2017. But I don't know. I guess I was thinking, where do people read books? And I was like, at the beach. Because at the people that read two books a year, they read it at the beach. And, um, and, you know, it's not an easy job. But because I have to talk to strangers all the time, which for me is not that hard talking to strangers. I'm a sociable guy. But um, sometimes it's hard, like, getting no after no after no. Sometimes, very rarely, sometimes people are a bit of douchebags to me, mm. uh, but it's very rare. And yeah, I can complain. <laughs> In the end, it's, it's good.
0: It's awesome, man. And like, now I want to know because it's already amazing. I'm amazed, like for sure that you had uh, some tough times on your trips and I wanted to know, like if you can say one story or another one and with that... I'm very curious, how you describe your mindset? Because for me, at my point of view, it's separation after separation. Like, how you describe your mindset?
1: I guess I would describe it as a logical, optimistic, realist. Logical, optimistic, optimistic, realist. Uh, Because I don't like bullshit. Uh, I like, that's what I was saying before, if you can dream it, you can do it, no, Uh, no, Uh, it's not true, and it's not like a school of thought, it's just not true, if I want to win the Nobel, if I dream about winning the Nobel Prize, I will probably not going to make it, you know, and I'm not even talking about being a writer, so I'm a very logical uh, person, and I'm optimistic, realistic, realistic, because it means that, for example, it sounds like pessimism, but I see myself as just another guy. Hmm. So I know that the world is full of people that want to be artists, musicians, actors, writers, sculptors, whatever. Sculptures, not so much maybe. And I know that most of them won't make it. So I am, for them, I am one of those guys. I'm just someone else. So why do I have to make it? If I think of probability, the the probability is against me. So I understand within me that there's a chance I don't make it, but I also understand because people, when people hear this, they think that I'm being like uh, resigned or like I don't give a shit. But, and it's difficult for people to understand that, no, it's not that. Like It's one thing to understand my probabilities because I can't afford to think that I'm special because maybe I'm not. Not everybody can be special. And it's hard to confront yourself with the possibility that maybe you're not special, maybe you're not good, you know? And I think about this, like, what if I'm not good enough? Could be. Of course, I can try to be better all the time, and I do. But I live with a constant notion that maybe I'm not good enough. But I also live with a notion that, but I will fucking try, you know? And so I think if I'm uh, having a goosebumps uh, goose, goose now, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And I, I think that. It's a bit difficult to describe, but I would describe it as logical because I see the steps towards something. I don't believe in cute words. I believe in, yeah, yeah, having a positive spirit, but like if, as long as it means that you make things. And uh, realist because I know that it's, the odds are against me, but optimist because fuck it, let's let's go and see. And even like, even if life doesn't um, turn out the way that I wish, I also have a strategy for that, which is, you know, I realized that imagine the most successful people on earth. Imagine in terms of the arts, we can talk about the Rolling Stones, maybe, or whatever. We could, we could say 50 names. And the most unsuccessful, unsuccessful ones, but, the one, but inside the group of people that tried. Both the Rolling Stones, super famous, and both Philip, just some guy that tried for 10 years and failed. Both of these people, they, I'm sure they miss the times when they were like fighting for success and everything was uncertain, you know? Hmm. Both of them miss it. So I realized some years ago, I'm in that moment now. I'm fighting uh, for success. So I know that I will miss this period in my life, whether I win a Nobel Prize or whether I work in a supermarket. No offense to people that work in supermarkets, of course. So even that like made me look at this period in my life. Now with selling books at the beach, I'm more stable before I wasn't. But even that made me look at my own life and not feel despair because sometimes we might feel despair like, oh, shit, man, you know, that angst in your body. What am I going to do? Because I knew that this is fun, you know, I'm trying and it's uncertain and, and I'm alive and I don't want to live like I'm just waiting for the next thing. You know, every time we're alive, it's right now. And right now it's, it's uncertain and I'm giving it my best shot. And yeah, if I make it like a really famous writer, I will look back and think like, wow, that was some nice moments. And if I fail... I'm going to look back and think exactly the same thing. Wow, those, those were some nice moments. So, even for that, like I, I think I found a strategy to just feel more cool with things, you know, about how life turns out and except that I have little. I have little control over things. I have some. Hmm. Well, deep down, I think I have none. But uh, in my the way I live live life, I, I, there's many things that evade me. In terms of there's luck, there's talent that I might not have.
0: Beautiful Peter man. No, beautiful, really. I will see. I will do the rewind of the interview just a couple of times to take the info. Now I was thinking, man, for sure that in your in, in your trips you had moments that you wanted to give up. It's like what make you continue to, 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 to go to because it's amazing, like going from bicycle, from here, to, from Portugal to, to Africa, we don't, you are like, you are not Armstrong or like, oh, it's, you know, oh, you didn't give up, like, it's.
1: You know, it's, uh, it's interesting because what you just said, a lot of people say it. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you the truth when I say that I never thought about giving up, never. And I'm, I'm not saying like, it's a good thing. I think what's what what's important is whether you give up or not, not whether you think it, but I never really thought about giving up like I had a lot of um I had a lot of bad moments, you know because it's far <laughs> it's very far it's very far, and uh, sometimes the roads are terrible, and um Sometimes the roads are terrible and you have no water and there's mud and stones and bugs and it's really, really hot. And in that moment, I kind of don't want to be there, but I know I made that choice. You know, I, 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 I made the choice to cycle to South Africa and I know what comes with it. I knew, I knew. I mean, if something happened that was like unexpected, then I was like, oh shit, I didn't count on this. But I have to say, even like one time I was in Africa, in Gabon, in Equatorial Africa, and there was a, a gorilla next to me. And I was like, and I, I couldn't see it, I could only hear it. And for some reason I thought it was a panther, a black panther. Because I only heard like "Wow, better!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fucking hell!" Man. I thought I was gonna die. But in that moment, I, you know, like it, it, I I considered that that I considered wild animals were a possibility. Sure. I considered that before I went. So, well, I survived. He went in, and it was okay. But I didn't really. I didn't want to stop because everything that happened, no matter how hard was something that, that I, I, I knew was gonna come. And, but that can be a, a problem. Like sometimes I was really tired and like I wanted to do a hundred percent of the route cycling, no rides, no buses, nothing. And I'm very, sometimes I'm very stubborn and that can be a problem because sometimes it's okay to take a ride, you know? If you're really, and I remember I was in Guinea-Bissau and I was, it's like, I've been feeling like this twice a week, more or less. Uh, It's like I'm cycling and I become extremely tired. I have goosebumps in my whole body, although it's 40 degrees. My head starts to ache. My nose starts to run. And it's like, I'm in a dream, you know? But I'm like, no, I'm going to make it. (laughs) And sometimes it's okay to say, no, I don't have the right conditions to do this right now. And that's like a a tricky part because you don't want to give up. But for me, I eventually understood that, um, okay, it's okay to give up. I'm not giving up the trip. But I'm always afraid that like, oh, if I start taking rides, I'm going to be taking rides all the time. So it's something that it's. I want to give up after I really, really know inside myself that I have to do it and then do it. Not just do it like the first time, and I think, I still, I haven't mastered this, you know, because not only cycling to South Africa, sometimes in life, it's, we should give up, I think, and pursue something else. But I'm not sure about the when, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. I mean, if you, for example, if you're trying to be a professional football player and you're 25 and you never played in, not even in the second league, maybe, okay, let's say 28, you're 28 maybe it's not going to be for you and uh, you know, but with exactly. football, it's easy. It's easier with football, uh, with other things, it's harder, for example. And it even depends on what it is. Like writers never give up because they can do other job and be a writer. And it's not up to being, uh, like it doesn't depend on how old you are. Like Saramago, it, I think it's 10 years today since he died. Saramago, was, for international listeners, was one of two Portuguese Nobel laureates. Uh, he won the literature one. And he started writing when he was 45. <laughs> so it also depends on the field. But what, I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes it's good to know when we should give up. And uh, I eventually in Bissau, I, I, I couldn't. I was like lying on the road. And I'm, I have a video. I will, I will send it to you later. Even my voice was different, and I'm saying, I'm saying, speaking to the camera, and I'm saying, "I have to release myself from myself, and I have to accept the ride." and I accepted the ride and, um, and then it wasn't it was like a detour, so I didn't even need to cycle that according to my own rules. So yeah, I never really thought about giving quitting the trip itself, or not even when I was arrested in Laos or um, I questioned it in, in Central America. Central America, I questioned it because it was a strange trip. I was feeling a bit lonely in the beginning and I didn't think about quitting, but um, I questioned it because I don't know. I was it's the first trip that I started and usually I start in Portugal. This trip I started in Panama. Um, and I was feeling lonely and, but yeah, I knew, I knew what I was doing. Like I, I chose to do it. So in the end I went all the way and, and I knew that if I, if I quit,
0: I would never forgive myself. So, yeah. yeah, but It's amazing. I, I want to, can you share like that story in Lagos that you were arrested or? In Laos. Laos, okay, sorry. Well,
1: um, it's a very long story. I. I don't tell it so much nowadays because I became tired of it. Okay. So um, you feel like? But I can uh, say it generally uh, okay. because it's, it, the story takes 20 minutes. Okay. Uh, so I can say it uh, general generally, I was um, tubing in uh, Vang Vieng in Laos and uh, it was an activity where people rent uh, a tube and then they, fl- a floater and they float down the river and uh, yeah it was it's a party place and i partied and i got super wasted and the next thing i knew it i was in uh, a jail but uh, it looked like a a cave so i thought i was kidnapped not not uh, in prison Whoa. and uh there was a, a crazy woman screaming in the next jail so i thought she was being raped and uh, i was yeah, I, for two hours, I thought I was kidnapped. Only after two hours, I tried to release myself and everybody, tried the revolution there. And um, <laughs> for, your, uh, for the, the non-lusophone listeners, I, I have this book in Portuguese, by the way. So if you want it, I send it abroad. You can find me on Instagram, on Pedro on the Road. I
0: will, I will put it.
1: Yeah, uh, But yeah, um, I was there for two nights. And it was the worst experience of my whole life. It was really, really, really tough. And uh once I got released, I was shaken. I was shaken by like for like a couple of weeks. Uh but yeah, even then I didn't think like yeah, I should just go home. I, I didn't. I mean I, I thought I was gonna die at one point. When I when I thought I was kidnapped, I thought I was gonna I thought I was gonna die. So, in that moment, I wish I was home. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, because uh, I wasn't ready to die so yet. But I didn't die. Uh, And uh, once I got away from prison, I I just kept going. So, because, you know, it happens. Shit happens. I knew that kind of shit happened to people. I I just, I didn't expect it to be to me. But... (laughs) 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 Because, <laughs> you know, it's like um, getting eaten by an animal in Africa. It's like, I know it happens. All I hope for is that it's not with me. But I know it's not a surprise. like, oh, you know, people get killed and robbed and eaten and in prison. That happens. And I know it happens. Hopefully, not
0: to me. But it happened to me. <laughs> man, but it's so crazy, man. Like, I mean, imagine, like, you go, you get wasted a couple of beers and you wake up. Like always, oh, just always the moment that you think that, you, like, because I never talked with the person that, like, passed for that moment. Always the moment that you think that you will die, man. How? What? What? Set so I, I came. I
1: came to my senses, um, and I was still in the car. And the car was a normal car. It wasn't a police car. And there were two policemen in front, but they were dressed in plain clothes. And. The, the car was driving through the middle of the forest, it was darkness all around. And I had uh, my hands cuffed behind my back like this. It, they were handcuffs, proper handcuffs, not just a rope. So I should have, I should have suspected that it was a police, but I didn't. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And, and immediately I thought I was kidnapped. Whoa. I mean, I don't know if I was drugged. Uh, I, I can tell you that I was pretty drunk. But I don't know if I was drugged. I don't know what happened. I just know that I came to my senses. I was like, and I tried to, like, release myself, like, in the movies, like, like this. And <laughs> my feet, you know what I'm saying? Yes, like, like, yeah, we saw the no movies. Way. <laughs> no way. Because your hands, are not, they're
0: not cuffed like this. Okay. They're cuffed like this. You know, ah, so okay, if it was
1: like this, maybe, mm. maybe it would be possible, but like this, it's impossible. And, um, and I thought I was kidnapped, and the fact that they wouldn't tell me anything, and the fact that once I got to prison, it was a fucking shithole, and it was just me and 21 guys from Laos, I was the only foreigner. That didn't help. And um, yeah, it was a stressful time. It's only after I, because I kept hearing this girl screaming in the next jail cell, like, "Ah!" and I thought she was being raped. And I thought I gotta, and this is like probably one of the only nice parts about this story is that I really wanted to save her in spite of believing that I was kidnapped. And um, there was a guy next to me And he'd been in, I I discovered the next day that he'd been in jail for a long time. So he knew the prison guards, but when I got in, I saw him talking to them. And I thought, this guy is a threat. He's like an inside man, like in the movies. Hmm. So hearing the woman screaming, I thought that the first step for me to release her was to neutralize the inside man. And I'm not proud of what I did, but like I got up and he was sleeping and I kicked him and everybody woke up and I started screaming, Revolution, we can do it together. And then like they just stood looking at me (laughs) and I was like, okay, they've given up. They've given up. And I sat down and I really, in this moment, I gave up. I was like, fuck, there's nothing I can do. Nobody will help me. And I told, and I said, I'm sorry please don't tell the guys from the outside, I don't want to be the first to die. And Only now, somebody, and this was, I, maybe it was two hours since I got in, it's difficult for me to know. But now like somebody got up and they sat in front of me and they said, uh, you're not gonna die, you're in jail. And fuck, I was so relieved to be in jail. I think nobody, <laughs> nobody was ever so relieved, like, I'm in jail, yes. <laughs> Because it's better to be in jail than
0: kidnapped, right? <laughs> I will say... Uh, it's a lose-lose situation, but yes, I will say yes. It's better to <laughs> yeah. It's only... So man, now I'm having... <laughs> better jail. Those bumps, yes. Man, wow, crazy. Like, I'm completely... And I'm also very interested, like, did you had, like, now going a little bit in another way, any daily habits when you were traveling... it was was a day in the life I I did more
1: when I was um, in Africa because when I was in a when I was in Asia and in Central America of course I did many other trips but usually I speak more about these three big trips but when I was in Central America and in Asia I would hitchhike only no no well most of the time in Central America only And I would, you know, I would get to city, then go and sightsee, stay with someone if I met someone there. So that wasn't really a habit. But in Africa, there was because in Africa, I had most of my day was spent cycling from village to village. And I would uh, wake up and uh, cook my breakfast. It would take me like an hour, maybe. I would do, you know, do it with time. Like cooking the breakfast, fixing the, putting the things, every, everything back in the bike. Oh man, I miss it so much. About <laughs> it now. And, um, and I would cook like always the same thing, like pasta with some tomato paste and uh, sardines or tuna. I'm a vegetarian now, so now I would do it differently. But at the time, that's what I did. And then I would cycle for, I would say goodbye to the village where they received me. Because people received me all the time. They were very, very nice to me. And then I would cycle for about two hours. And I would buy a pineapple. Or a mango, depending on the country. So like guinea Conakry, Sierra Leone, uh, for example, baked mangoes like this for 20, for 20 cents. But then like uh, Sierra Leone, Liberia, uh, not pine- mangoes. But then Sierra Leone, Liberia, uh, pineapples. And I would uh, eat a pineapple, smoke a cigarette, and um, then cycle for two hours longer, stop for, for lunch. And then I would cycle in the afternoon, stop sometimes for to drink water or to, to smoke a cigarette. People are always like, what, you were cycling and smoking a cigarette? Yeah. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> Better than Armstrong. <laughs> people, people, people think of a, a person cycling in Africa and... The, the image of them smoking a cigarette is strange, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, I still do. <laughs> and um, cycle all day, and when it's like six in the afternoon, I would stop in some village and um, I would ask to see the, the chief. Well, oh, yeah, is, is the chief around? And um, the chief would come a lot of times with a woman, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, oh, hi, I'm, I just came uh, from Portugal with my bicycle. Do you think I can pitch my tent somewhere? And uh, 100% of the times, they would give me a room. And uh, I would ask where the, they would give me a room. I would put my things there. I would ask where the river is. And I would go to the river, like, wash my my day away. And then I would just sit with the chief looking at the road where no cars go, you know, no cars pass. And it was really nice, you know, because... You know when people go to a place and uh, they say, "Oh, I really, I really saw how they live and shit like that." Yeah, for me it was like that every day because I was in not well, not every day, but if I had to go through a forest, it was every day like that. And um, I would stay in those little little villages, like sometimes a village with uh, twenty people, twenty people, and the next village is. I don't know forty kilometers that way, like with mud, and the next one is forty kilometers that way with mud. I was in this village where the the troops, the army would pass, and they would give a, a ride to one of the sons, and he was a good hunter, so we would go with the army, fire some deer, boom boom boom, give one deer to the army to to eat to eat. So it's not like just to. It's and not then that just thing bring a us. deer, bring a deer back. So, yeah, that was like the closest I had to a routine. Like the thing with the cigarettes and the mangoes and the and the cooking and I would camp as well. Uh, but yeah, that was the closest I had to a routine.
0: Um, and like, if we had to say now, like traveling and just to, to be more, to say it in the top three, which lessons did you learn by traveling? If we have to say like, which was the lessons that you learned? Well,
1: I don't know if I learned. The thing is, like, I never... I've traveled and I've experimented with substances and uh, I had all kinds of experiences in my life. Well, not all kinds. <laughs> uh, but I, but no, usually, like, people change. A lot when they travel and when they take like lsd or what or mushrooms or whatever or when they fall in love but I don't think i i ever like changed like deeply i think i i've changed slowly like and so traveling never well it has taught me many many lessons but um I don't think like a, a true, like, deep-rooted lesson that I never thought about. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I can say that the first time that I crossed... uh, um, The first time that I crossed uh, Muslim countries, I was very amazed by how nice they were to me. And I, I I came back with this... Feeling like I really need to be these guys' ambassadors, you know, because the whole world thinks that they're a bunch of terrorists and they're not. So, but so it changed. I learned that they weren't, but deep down I already knew that, you know, deep down I already knew that they were just people with a different, um, different upbringing, different, uh, yeah, different social life, you know, and so that, but okay, I guess I can still call it a lesson, but, let me just, I guess I can still call it a lesson that what we are is a perfect mixture of our genetic code okay. and our social upbringing. It's just the stories that people tell us. I'm going to smoke a cigarette if you don't mind.
0: No, no, it's okay.
1: So yeah, like I got to see in the hand experience that the difference between uh, people all over the world is not because some people have a certain genetic code and and others don't. It's more that some people were taught a certain story and other people were taught a different story. Um, What other lessons did I take? Yeah, I learned how to manipulate people as well, Um, especially, but then again, like, I think everyone that is more or less intelligent has, probably has, like, some ability to manipulate people. It's just whether we use it or not. It's like a superpower that we shouldn't use. But if we are uh, being uh, fucked by the police in uh, Nigeria, for example then uh, maybe we should use that uh, power and so i learned uh, i really i learned how to know because usually i'm very naive i don't i think everybody is a great person Hmm. and uh, i learned how to spot when someone isn't Hmm. um as for the third Hmm. lesson yeah i well traveling was the only time that i really came across racist people i mean I've been with racist people in Portugal, but I didn't know that they were racist, because usually racist people, they they know that they shouldn't say what they say, um, unless they were like behind the screen on Facebook or something. But uh, in uh, Namibia and South Africa, I met a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of white people in uh, South Africa and uh, Namibia. There's like 7%. In South Africa, 8% in Namibia are whites, which is a lot for an African country. And uh, I guess I learned that, yeah, people can really, really be racist and know that they are racist and still say whatever they want to say. And um, it's uncomfortable. It's uh, like when I was in Namibia, I was staying with this guy that... He was clearly racist, like he didn't want his daughter to ever marry a black man. But I was staying in his house, so it's uncomfortable. At the same time, I, I can't just say, yeah, of course, of course. I have to say what I think because I'm a big believer in sincerity. So, yeah, that was uncomfortable. So, I guess if you ask me tomorrow about different lessons, I would give you different lessons as well. Because, of course, there's like 25 million smaller lessons that we take. But maybe now that these would be the ones that I
0: would give you. Okay, perfect. So now I want to talk a little bit about the last book, man. The idea behind the book. Also, I think it's not just the traveling, but the concept between you believing in idea and acting on it. I love that concept that you put in the book. I uh, I will order today, but if you can do a, a small resume. Okay. So what I, I what I thought was,
1: I thought that um, so in my first book uh, in Asia I I had a lot of great stories I was arrested in Laos which is the one that I briefly mentioned I was in Pakistan when they shot bin Laden I was in Syria when the revolution started there was a lot of bullet points that for the reader uh, I could just say these things mm. and it would be like oh interesting in Africa I I stayed with a, a family that invited me for a shamanic ritual. And I, by accident, volunteered to be the shaman. And I took this psychedelic drug called Iboga. And that was like a, a really interesting experience. And I had a lot of other experiences that I could sell my book with that. And um, But in Central America, I realized that it was a great trip, but I was missing the... Like a something that made the book stronger, as as strong as the other ones. So what I thought, what I thought was, I started thinking about how I could make this. I I, I, thought, I started thinking how I could make this book uh, better. And I thought that this book could be a book inside a book. Also, because it's one of my dreams that I haven't fulfilled yet to write a novel. And I've started five novels and um, I never finished any, but I need to finish one. So I wanted to trap myself, to make myself finish one novel. So, what we have in this book is the book begins in 2066, 2066 in the future. And there's this old man that he wants to die what happened but it's not allowed so euthanasia was legalized in portugal and i already i guessed that right because after i published the book it was so it was a good guess but it was an easy guess but uh, i also explained that there was a rise in uh, extreme right in portugal and we are seeing that happening now um and uh, f- at a certain point in time the extreme right, in order to, um, uh, for the, the moderate right, like PSD, in order mm. for the moderate right to, to be in, uh, in power, they had to have a coalition with the extreme right. And one of the things that the extreme right wanted was uh, no euthanasia. No so euthanasia was penalized again. And uh, once it's, um, so this guy wants to die and he can't and he, is, is, he has an, another old man in his next bed, and this old man is visited by someone else, and he hears these people speaking, and he thinks, maybe this guy can help me. And one day, he catches the guy that is um, visiting the other old man, and he approaches him, and he tells him, listen, I've heard you speak, you're very frustrated with the uh, depenalization, or the penalization of euthanasia, and uh, the thing is, I want to die. Will you help me die? And the young man is faced with the choice that we are many times, which is it's one thing to have an, an idea about something. It's another thing to actually act on it. And he, he, he starts to try to persuade the, the older man that it's worth to live. It's worth it. And the, the older man says, okay, listen, I understand what you're saying but do me this favor, you will take this book with you and you will read it and you will understand that I have lived and this is not life. And the younger man, he says, okay. And it it takes home a book that the older guy wrote 50 years before about a trip that I did in 2018 in Central America. And then, so as the reader in real life, you are reading all of this. And then you start reading the old man's book about Central America, but that's the book about my trip. And that's like real. And I really enjoyed how it worked out. So you have like 25 pages of my real trip in Central America, and then you have seven pages of the younger guy visiting the older guy and the relationship that they establish and will he help him die or not. And and also like the older man, he lived all his life as a, a travel writer but he never did what he wanted to do, which was to write uh, a travel book, which is also what I want to do. So the younger guy also wants to write, uh, sorry, the, uh, the older guy never wrote a novel, a novel. And, uh, you know, basically in the end, there's an, a strategy that arises for the younger guy to write his novel because of the interaction that he had with uh, the older guy, it's a bit difficult to say without spoiling. You know, mm-hmm, exactly. But, um, but let's keep it. But it worked. It, it worked very well. I'm I'm very happy with the result, and I think, although I don't have a story like being arrested in Laos or anything, mm-hmm. the
0: it's my best book so far. I so see.
1: it worked uh, well.
0: I think the idea is brilliant. First of all, and now let Maske, if, if for the people that uh, don't know. And for the Portuguese speaker all over the world, where they can find you, your book. Well, I um
1: I have. Uh, I don't know how to write it here, but I have. Maybe my my Instagram page is the best. I will put it. Uh, it's uh, Pedro on the road. Okay. And uh, people send me a message, and then I have in Portuguese, of course, I have all my three travel books, and in English, I have my Asian one which is uh, so if anybody wants the, the Asian book uh, they can also get it awesome. Pedro on the road on Instagram I always reply to the messages
0: yeah, I will put in the description of the video also okay now and I want to new project new trips new books what's happening
1: well I'm uh, in a peculiar time in my life because okay. I'm, me and my wife are trying to uh, trying to have a baby so, uh, this, this uh, it's not being very easy. We've had uh, three miscarriages. So, it's being a hard process and I'm not sure that we will make. It's like what I was saying before about being resigned, but still doing everything we can. So, I'm resigned if it doesn't happen for us, but I will still try to do It's not resignation, like, fuck it. It's not that. It's like philosophical resignation, but practical investment. So I will still try to do whatever I can to do it. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen, and I accept. Having kids, um, just this week I was interviewing uh, for my show a guy that cycled uh, for like two years, him, his wife, and his kids were eight years old and ten years old. And when they finished their trip, the kids were 10 years old and 12 years old. And they did the homeschooling. It's, not home, it's official homeschooling, but they're not at home. Exactly. And then they have to do a test and whatever. And it's really inspiring to hear these kind of people because I know that I can travel. And I know that I can um, travel with my, with my family also. But, of course, it doesn't depend on on me. It depends on uh, what my wife will want. So, I don't really have any clear plan right now. I'm going to start being a guide to Algeria with, a, with an agency. Okay. To Algeria and then to other, another destination that is not uh, official yet. Okay. So, I'm going to do that. And uh, I recently, I applied, for, there was a Netflix contest. Okay. And um, to like design a TV show. And uh, I participated with a friend of mine. We were, uh, it was 1,200 applications. So I don't think, and it's again the same story. I don't think we're going to win, but I did my best. But the story was so good that um, I would also like to put that into paper and uh, make it a book if we don't win. So these are more or less my projects. But um, I would like to run from uh, uh, Luanda in Angola to Maputo in Mozambique. I would like to go from Portugal to North Korea with a unicycle. You know, only one wheel. Yes. Like the clowns. Uh, but I don't, it's just ideas that come. And because once you do a trip like this, then uh, you're always thinking about the next one. But so far... Uh, and I want to finish my goddamn novel. Yeah, that's, if I had a priority, it would be to finish my novel.
0: Okay. Now I wanted to ask you, if it's not... Uh, um... Your book, uh, which one, after this conversation, you will advise me to read, if it's not it's
1: A book that is not mine or other book of mine?
0: Other bo- uh, book that is not yours. Okay. Like me. Um,
1: well, there's a book that is very popular, so I'm sure you've been advised to read this book many times, but... Um, I think it's a great read. It's called Sapiens okay, yes. uh, a book by Yuval Noah Harari, where it's the history of humankind from pre homo sapiens to right now, more or less. And it's a great read. You read it very well and um, you learn a lot. It's like, I read it um, once and then I read half of it again, because it's so much information that, um, it's difficult to take it all in. But yeah, I would advise that book. Maybe okay. if you ask me tomorrow, I would advise
0: a different book. But, but right now, I would advise Sapiens. Oh, no. No, perfect. Now I to just to ask you, just uh, to end, if it's okay, how it was, like, I'm curious also, you told me about, like, the hallucinogenical sh- experience, the shaman experience. Like, how it was that, man? Can you describe it a little bit? Because, like, we don't have yeah, a lot but, of that in our society. So that's also a long
1: story, but I can tell you more like uh, more or less. I was in Gabon and uh, they, you know, as I was saying before, every day they, I would stay with, with the people there and I would ask for a place to put my tent and they would give me a, a room. And one time I ended up in this village and they invite, the son invited me for a ceremony. And I heard about this ceremony before. But when, like two days prior, but when somebody was telling me about this ceremony, like somebody came and it was like, shh, don't say that to the white man. So I realized it was like a secret, you know, and they didn't want the white man to know. So of course I felt very curious about it. And when somebody invited me, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll go. And I, uh, I went to ask the chief okay, hey, your son invited me for a ceremony, is that okay? I was like, yeah, yeah, f- of course, yeah, hey, it's fine. And I asked him how the ceremony went, and he explained, but by, I made a mistake and I, I involuntarily I, I volunteered to be the shaman, but I didn't, that's not what I was trying to do, because he was telling me that I wouldn't have any hallucinations. I would only eat a little bit of the boga. And I said, uh, yeah, but I would like to see something, you know. But I just wanted him to give me a bit more. But he thought that I was volunteering to take his place as a shaman. And I only realized it when it was too late. Like we spent all morning doing my introduction. And, okay. What's going to leave him with the African tour? And... we spent all morning doing my, my introduction and then we go to, everything is bush, but we go to like the deep, deep bush. And everybody eats a spoon of this, but I eat none. Okay. And I think, okay, he regretted it, but, uh, yeah. being here is already like really interesting. So even if I don't take any substances, it's already an interesting experience, but then they start to paint me in white and I'm the only person in white. And then. I finally get to eat some and I eat 10 times more than anyone else. Imagine like they were 14 people and together they ate 25% of the plate and me alone I ate 75% of the plate and this is the cover of my book and this is how I was at a certain point, this is me and uh, this was the day this was during the, it was like at 4 in the morning or something It, uh, it's a really uh, bizarre image. And I said that um, being arrested in Laos was the worst experience of my life. Uh, this one, it, was, it wasn't the worst experience of my life because I took something positive out of it, but it was the worst 12 hours of my life because uh, I just, uh, I had a very bad trip uh, in terms of a philosophical bad trip. Because I, could, I, I, as I said before, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in heaven or anything. I don't believe in anything, basically. I, I only believe that I'm here right now. And usually I can deal with that. But this time I couldn't deal with it. It was I, it, like the notion that I will die and that I will be dead forever mm-hmm. was so, so deep for me. You know, it was such an agony and I just swam in this metaphysical shit for 12 hours. I had this ball of adrenaline inside me. And for the first time, I understood how someone would kill themselves. It's really a strange thing to say, but I never thought about killing myself. Uh, Don't get me wrong. But that kind of agony, if it was like that all the time, I wouldn't want to live. It was like such an emptiness inside me. You know, and that's why I don't really recommend this substance to everyone. I mean, sometimes I have a friend or two that I, from who they are, and I see that they're like me, like I'm luckily, luckily for me, I'm quite solid in my mind. And so I think like maybe for some people they can go and come back, but there's a danger of going in this substance and not coming back. So I don't really recommend it to just anyone. But yeah, in the end I made it, um, I made it alive and uh, I didn't go crazy. I thought I would go crazy, but I didn't go crazy. And um, yeah, I survived to tell the story.
0: Whoa, crazy, crazy story after story, Will. <laughs> now, just to, to to end, like for me, I think like, like listening to you, I'm seeing that, or Correct me if I'm wrong. That you 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 listen a lot to yourself, to your intuition, to your gut. I think part of our as society uh, we are stopping to do that. How do you? I don't s- know if we're, mm. so go, go tell, on, me, tell me, tell me, tell uh, How do you think that we can invert that process? If you think that or not, like. I can't tell
1: you that we do that more or less in, as a society because I didn't know how much people made it before. So I can't really compare. Um, for me, it's difficult for me to answer that question because some people shouldn't go with that good hmm. because it, it depends. We don't, we don't all, we don't, ha- not all of us have the same instincts you know like for me i have instincts that go through a layer of uh, reason but well, i like to believe that maybe it's not true well a lot of people will say no if you cycle in south africa there's no, reason. there's no reason but for me there is for okay. example i spoke about logic before mm-hmm. when when people die in a country, and imagine you hear that well, ten people were killed T- ten tourists were killed in uh, Nigeria. A lot of people won 't go, but for me, I think, okay, I want to go that's my instinct, but now I need the the net the filter of reason, okay, ten people died out of how many a hundred If ten people died out of a hundred, it means that it's 10% chance I'm not going to go. 10% is too much. I value my life too much. Yeah, If it's 10 in 10,000, then it's 1 in 1,000. I can deal with that. So I think it's, it's, it's good to go by our instincts if we have good instincts. Okay. But it's difficult to know how good our instincts are unless we try some of them and see how that goes okay. so i'm sorry but i don't really have a clear answer for that because it's the it's not very palpable it's not very clear
0: it was clear enough for me sometimes and after it's, it's a little bit it goes in cycles like you have to try it like you said it before you have to try it to see if it's right or not of course like little steps at my point of view but how you will know if you didn't try it yeah I think, like, it it will be a little bit like that. Now, to end, do you have any last words, any last advice that you want to give me and to the people that are listening to the podcast? Well, nothing that I haven't
1: said before, but I can quickly say it again, which is, I hope there's, like, although I don't believe in it, I hope there's having some kind of, Immortal life that is nice. That is not too heavy for us some kind of different concept But I don't know and I don't think anyone can know for sure so It really looks like this is all we got this life and If this is all we got then Whatever we want to do with our life We have to try it in this life not in the next We're not so important and things are not that serious. Like we take into account the opinions of other people way more than we should, I think. And it doesn't matter. It definitely doesn't matter. Most things don't matter. And once we can strip away the notion that other, look, other people's opinions don't scratch us, that we can like, and that if we fail, we probably won't die. That's that's everything there is, I think. The way I see it, but you asked my opinion, so what Man, I'm saying it's is just
0: beautiful. It's
1: like it it most things don't matter, and we give up a lot, so many times. We give up our dreams because of some bullshit that doesn't really doesn't really matter. Like, you know, people get hung up on so many little things like what that person said about me, what that person thinks about me, this, bam, 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 bam. And it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. So for now, yeah, that's, I would close with that.
0: With me, with goosebumps, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. Thank you so much, Pedro, once again. Nice. My Guys, pleasure. take notes of this interview, because it's a lot of knowledge, man. Thank you so much again, and a lot of help for you, and Graciette, and Everything smooth, okay, guys. Okay, thank you, man. Don't forget to subscribe and comment. Thank you, and also I will put in uh, Pedro's Instagram. Go there, buy the book, and give it a thumbs up, guys. See you.